the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Freeman. We've got a wonderful show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we'll be interviewing Detroit's own Michael Dallin, who has written a book called Rainbow Covenant about the Seven Commandments of Noah, Seven Commandments of Mankind. We've talked about those before, and this is an in-depth, this is like comprehensive, this is wonderful. In the second half of the show, we'll be talking about the portion of Key Seesaw, which will be read in the synagogues on Shabbos. It can be found in the book of Exodus chapter 30. It is most commonly known for the sin of the golden calf, which we will not be talking about because... There are other things there that are talked about, and so we'll be talking about other things. We've got music, wonderful music, all the way throughout, a dynamite, very insightful story about how to interact with people. So we have Michael Dallin online. So uh, welcome to the Jewish Hour, Michael Dallin. Hi. Glad to be here. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time. Okay, so you've... Uh, taken upon yourself to be involved with Shiva Mitzvah's B'nai Noah, which I I call it, I guess, the Seven Commandments of Mankind. Let's let's yes. back up way to the beginning, and it, I like the actually that your the name of your organization is First Covenant Foundation. So, if you could explain like the name of your organization and why is it that Jews have to be worried about such a thing. Well, we're not to be worried about it. We're to celebrate it. Um, the first covenant is the the covenant with in Genesis with Adam, and then uh, ten generations later with uh, with Noah. And uh, we are all we are all the children of Noah, B'nai Noah, the Jews, everybody, uh, all the nations of the world. But the Jews are a different 
you know, our, our, our a segment of humanity uh, with our with our Torah, which came with you know ten generations after that. Um, but the first covenant is the covenant that applies to all mankind. It's the covenant that puts us at human beings at the top of the food chain. Um, all human beings are are bound by this universal law, um, which all all comes from the universal revelation, the revelations that uh, Genesis talks about, where we are all put on notice that we all exist in the in the image of God, that uh, every human being uh, is is sacred, and the the Shava Mitzvahs, the seven commandments or connections with the deity, with Elohim, with the powers, uh, which whom we know as Hashem, as the the Yud Hey, Vav Hey, or the Y H V H, the the fundamental deity, the, the source of all creation, um, is that um, these are the laws that follow logically from, and, and that we all are put on notice of, of, of keeping, of, that we have an obligation of keeping, um, because we all exist in the image of God. So the fundamental laws of humanity the, in in uh, Exodus, they're called the social laws. You know, they were revealed to the people, the children of Israel at Marah, right after the parting of the Red Sea. Um, the Jews have to keep these laws. Everybody has to keep these laws. And then there are the laws that all human societies are obligated for eternity to keep. Um, I should explain, There's there's really... Two sets. Um, there's the laws that every society comes up with, the the parking regulations that apply to to us that are uh, enacted into into law or legislation by human legislatures that regard things like insurance law. Those are nullified laws. Those are the laws that apply to all mankind um, in each nation. Um, it is incumbent on every nation to create and defend and establish and prosecute and base its society on on law that applies to everyone equally. Um, but um, we, there's also this core of uh, divinely inspired law that we know as Torah, and that should inform the seven laws. It's it's very important to understand that uh, I got into this because I was so impressed with the beauty and the integration of this system into the Torah and the the depth that this uh, supplies to the study of Torah to the 613 commandments that are revealed um, to Moses and to the Hebrews. Um, it's important to understand that the the, the the Noahide laws 
and the Torah laws form a unified whole. That ultimately, that the Torah is a unified system for all humanity. And as a lawyer and a and a student of the law, I I was just bowled over by the glory of it. They, they things work together. It's just a tremendous system um, that uh, is aesthetically pleasing. You know, I mean, it's as delightful as any piece of of art. Um, the way these systems, these two systems, that are both generated from 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 deity from the very very beginning of time and it apply to the very end of time uh, if there is such a thing and uh, and and the Torah of Sinai so I saw that no one was really doing a, a great job with explicating these laws and there and there were two competing uh, schools in discussing the laws and one was very traditionalist and uh, it wasn't very new and, and kept coming up with uh, statements about the laws that, that really didn't make a lot of sense. You know, there was this idea that only the rabbis of Israel could tell the nations what their laws should, whoops, what their laws should be, which is nonsense. And, um, and then there was uh, a school of thought of these very sophisticated legal legal and Torah scholars out of Harvard Law and at Bar-Alan, the, the, the Torah University outside Tel Aviv, where you had these wonderful thinkers who, who really got down into the ancient sources and, and came back all the way to uh, the great sage uh, Ramah, or Moshe uh, Israelis, who long, long, long ago uh, propounded the, the principle that it is up to the nations of the world to determine the details of their own laws for themselves, which is just revolutionary. I mean, that just turns the, the traditionalist understanding on its head and makes sense of the laws. You know, it's part of the the very glory and purpose of humanity, one of the highest things that we can do to determine our own laws for ourselves. It's another word for self-government. And it's a privilege and, um, and a very basic human responsibility for the people of each nation to determine their own laws for themselves. If, if they can't, then they're a subject people. But we're not designed. People aren't designed to be subject people. They're divided. You know, we're designed to be sovereign nations, um, you know, in, in which we are collectives of people who are uh, universally, individually made in the image of God. You know, each human being is holy. Um, one of the things that appeals to me in, in the laws is that it is a validation of our American constitutional principles uh, uh, and the principles of the Declaration of Independence that, you know, that, that we, that every individual is uh, endowed by our Creator with certain basic rights and obligations. Um, and then, so then we have the Noahide Laws, 
where we determine what does God want? What are the laws that come from the basic principle of revelation, the universal revelation given to Adam, then to Noah and Noah's children, who are everybody, that's all humanity, um, to live a decent, fulfilling human life. Um, okay, let me, just jump. Let, me just, let me let me let me just jump in real quick. Okay. Okay. So um, our guest today is Michael Dallin. He's written a book called Rainbow Coalition, which we will get to. So why does this interest you? You're Jewish, so why aren't you say more interested in getting Jews involved with Judaism rather than non Jews involved with non Judaism? Well, this is glorious, and it, and it makes Torah sensible. It, it reveals the Torah, the Jewish system, to be the glorious system that it really is. Without understanding the seven laws, you, you can't fully understand the Torah, and you don't understand how wonderful a system it is. So, to me, this is the seven, the seven mitzvahs are an invitation, not just to the Gentiles of the world, or the world, uh, but to the Jews particularly, to come and understand your own Hebrew tradition, which includes the Sheva Mitzvahs, which is, like I say, this extremely wonderful, glorious system of logically interconnected laws and, and uh, moral and ethical principles. Okay, let so me, let's, let's it, again. It's an so adornment. At least okay, of, so of the Torah. Let's 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 back up a little bit. What what are the seven mitzvahs for everybody, Michael Dell? Well, they all okay. They all follow logically, but not that intuitively from the basic idea, the the, the principle, the revealed universally revealed principle where everybody for all time is put on notice that every human being exists in the image of God whether they're black or white or, or any color, you know a man or person, male, female, baby, um, is, uh, is made in the image as a sacred personality. So the, the Sheva Mitzvahs follow. I, I just wanted to get in, Rabbi, that the reason I started with this was that I'd always been interested in uh, the principles that make different societies successful the different principles that make, uh, for instance, the, the, the societies of the Renaissance uh, flower and produce human genius. Uh, development economics had been my field in, in college. And I, I wanted to see what are, what are the laws, what are the principles that make society successful. And keeping the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, keeping these seven principles that I'm about to try to uh, enunciate, uh, is what makes societies successful, being decent, civilized societies. So, um, it, it's, it's, I mean, the, the laws are revealed, the basic laws of human civilization are revealed in our, our Gemara, in our, in our oral Torah, um, based on the Revelation in Genesis chapter 9, where we have the revelation to, um, 
to Noah, um, just seven, the, the word bris or covenant is repeated seven times in, in chapter 9, and that's a mnemonic um, to uh, elucidate these, these, to enunciate these laws. It's very important to realize that our Torah is something that the nation, that is there for the nations. And, and the book of Genesis exists for all the nations to learn and study from. There are portions in, in the rest of the, the five books of Moses for the nations to look at, the, the, the uh, section on uh, Balaam or Bilam, um, and uh, some of the statements in there. But all of Genesis is for all humanity to learn from. And it is in the Bible, the Scripture, is an interactive work. You have to learn from from Israel how to get into it, what to get out of it. We've had a lot of practice on it, and it's given into our custody, the custody of the people of Israel. And, and it just makes sense to try to learn from the experts on what's in there. So we have this interactive uh, guide, including our oral law. So it takes us into the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, and it's elucidated there. These are the basic laws that apply to all humanity at all time, past, present, future. Um, and, uh, and the first, I, I, there are different ways of enumerating them, but it, it, it comes out just wonderfully in something like 17 syllables in, in Hebrew of what are the basic laws of all humanity? It's just it's just this preposterously wonderful elucidation or enunciation of what the laws are. So, without further ado, there is um, well, you know, where where to begin? I mean, there's there's no general agreement. There are the social laws. There are the laws against sexual immorality. That is to say. The, these are the laws that everybody should know that you you cannot violate. That it it, it should. It, it, they're all negatives, and these are the things that uh, everyone, every idiot, ought to know. Do not rape. Do not perform oppressive sexuality in in any way. Any kind of sexuality that denies the humanity of of either of the partners, either of those involved, is immoral, is a violation of the Sheva Mitzvahs. Um, incest, uh, which is, you know, forced incest, rape of any kind, homosexuals, heterosexual, it doesn't matter. Um, there's a law against, there's, there's that. There's a law against thieving taking what doesn't belong to you. Obviously, there's a law against murder, um, taking taking a human life without uh, judicial process or due cause and not in war. Um, there is a, a, a very fundamental, terrific law, very appealing to lawyers, against anarchy, against the oppression that comes when, when you don't have laws and police and courts. They call it the, the justice commandment. But it's really a command. They're all negative. They're, it's a commandment against uh, 
injustice um, against uh, police state injustice or, 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 or the injustice of the, the rule of the strongest. Um, there is uh, there is a law. It, it's a characteristic law of the seven mitzvahs of the seven, which sounds really weird. Um, uh, it's a law against uh, uh, cruelty or, or perversions in in dietary matters. It sounds weird uh, and and banal. Uh, kill your food before you eat it. But it's a, it's actually a commandment against eating like a monster. Monsters devour monsters and animals will devour their food without uh, killing it. Uh, a human being made the image of God has a higher obligation, and that is to at a minimum kill your food before you eat it. Do not eat like a monster. Um, and then there are the commandments against, they sound weird, they sound, you know, like medieval uh, ecclesiastic law against idolatry and against uh, blasphemy. But those are, those are actually one law. And the fundamental rule there is do not worship a God who is not worth worshiping. Do not, do not worship a God who commands you to do evil, awful things. Um, if you are following jihad, for instance, and you believe that God is uh, commanding you to go up and blow up innocent people in his, for his glory, that's idolatry. That's blasphemy. Um, and that, that kind of thing, the cruel, awful religious observances supposedly to, to please some deity that no deity worth worshiping would ever, ever want or command. Um, and, you know, great atrocities have, are committed all the time in the name of these awful deities. Um, the seven mitzvahs prevent that, or they, they bar it. They don't prevent it. People have to keep the laws for them to work. But... Uh, but that's the seven, basically against idolatry, against blasphemy, which are together against sexual uh, perversions, oppressive sex, against um, eating like a monster, against theft, against murder, um, and, uh, and against anarchy. To uh, pursue justice in all things. Okay, cool. Again, our guest is Michael Dallin. He's written a book called Rainbow Covenant. So, okay, so now if all of this information can be found in the Bible, specifically in the book of Genesis and most of it in Genesis 9, why was there a need that you felt, Michael Dallin, to write a book about it called the Rainbow, called Rainbow Covenant? Well, it isn't set out in a simple, easy way. I, like I say, the Bible is Scripture, and particularly Genesis, is a very interactive work, and you have to get, uh, you don't know what exactly is being said. The seven mitzvahs are not elucidated in Genesis 9. It's just there are seven statements saying this covenant, that covenant, um, and and you don't have the context. Uh, you have to go to 
the oral Torah and tradition to get into the context. So that's not easy, getting into the oral tradition, you know, into into the Gemara or Talmud. Um, and then you have the writings over time as Israel, the people of Israel, come to grips with this this law. We The Jews have a tradition about the seven mitzvahs. And it's been preserved for low these these thousands and thousands of years, and you have to look to that. Um, the, the fact is, the laws all make all come from, or, or they logically stem from what I said was the the universal revelation. Uh, we're, but we're told that there was a universal revel, revelation along with. The revelation to, to to Adam and to and to Noah, um, and and perhaps others in, at other times that aren't aren't recorded necessarily, um, but they do all come from or, or they all relate to. We're all made in the image of God, and then Israel has over the ages elucidated them, narrowed them down, defined them. But they're they're spread all over. They're hard to get out, and uh, you have to look to the great sages of Israel to get them out. And then and then more recently, um, because they aren't immediate Torah, they don't directly uh, necessarily govern the people of Israel. It's been something that we we the Jews haven't haven't fully worked out for ourselves. Because we can make it with just the Torah. We can get by with just the Torah. But the seven mitzvahs shine. What they, what they offer is a whole new dimension in understanding Torah and in a, in a way of understanding um, and, and improving the laws that apply to all humanity to, to take these, these principles and uh, analyze the laws of the nations, the man-made laws, and to see how and how they conform or don't conform to the principles of um, of well, all men are made in the image, all people are made in the image of God. Because um, sometimes the nations come up with unjust laws, like at the Nazis' laws. Uh, are the laws of uh, you know of different tyrannies and dictatorships, or, or countries where certain people have certain privileges and others have, others don't? Um, those are all violations of, of these laws. And um, but um, it, I got into it because no one else was doing the job. Uh, you know, you you had to have a legal background, and you had to have some kind of Torah background, and you know, and and I worked with scholars, Torah scholars, legal scholars, and um, um, this this book, if with all due modesty, this is the best explication that there is of the universal laws of the of the Sheva Mitzvos. Okay, we really have time for just one more time. This is fascinating. I could spend the whole hour on this, but we. Um, the title, The Rainbow Covenant, your organization <laughs> is called The First Covenant, which would make sense. Why, why didn't you call the book, say, like, The First Covenant? Why did you call it The Rainbow 
Covenant. We talked about this earlier this morning. I know what you're getting at. Um, I wanted to take back the rainbow for God and mitzvahs. Um, you know, the, the rainbow covenant goes way, way, way back, thousands of years, before there was a Jesse Jackson and his rainbow coalition, and before um, gay liberation seized on the rainbow as its symbol. So it's way, way, way older than that. But um, But those different groups have seized it, and um, so I've, we, we, this distinguished rabbi, who's our, uh, a director of First Covenant, and uh, this distinguished uh, uh, former Baptist pastor, uh, uh, my, late, my late friend Jack Saunders, um, founded this. And we thought we'd take the rainbow back for God and mitzvahs, and it was just impossible. Uh, I, I mentioned to you earlier that I had a, a, a cousin who meant so well, and she she called me to congratulate me on this book and the movement, and 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 tell me how she, how proud she was that I had the the courage to come out as gay uh, because of uh, this association with the rainbow. And, and at that point, I decided, okay, this is not good. And um, we had to legally change the name of the foundation to the First Covenant, because after all, that is what it is. It is the First Covenant. It is the covenant that precedes the covenant uh, at Sinai, the the Mosaic Covenant. Um, So that's just as true as it is, and accurate as it is, uh, the Rainbow Covenant. But uh, but it is the rainbow covenant. I mean, the symbol of this covenant is the rainbow, has always been the rainbow, will always be the rainbow. Look at Genesis 9. Um, but uh, it's taking a rest now while um, gay liberation, you know, goes to, goes to work here. The thing is, it, it, this is all about gay liberation. I mean, this the, the, the first... Uh, principle of, of the seven universal laws is that there should be no oppression in sexual matters. No, this, this is the law that bans homosexual rape, which was the bane of the ancient world. It doesn't get covered a lot, but that's a fact. The Spartans, the Greeks, the Romans, the Babylonians, all the Chinese, and, you know, almost every nation would use homosexual rape against their children, other people's children, against prisoners of war, just as a matter of course. And this law, and, and you know, of course the Torah, just show that to be the abomination that it is. Um, so, at any rate, that's, that's why we... Uh, Okay. We changed because a cousin decided that uh, this proved that I was gay, which I'm not. Okay, good. We're going to leave it at that. Our guest today has been Michael Dallin. The book is called Rainbow Covenant, available on Amazon. And uh, we want to thank you so much for sharing with us, Michael Dallin, and we wish you continued success. Amen. Gamlacha. Okay. Same to you. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. 
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel you are listening to the Jewish Hour. Let's get into some music. This is an Israeli recording person. I've never heard of him before this week. I don't know a whole lot about Abunction, but I do like the song. I do like his voice. His name is Kobe Brummy, and the song is Kamatov Hashem is How Good is Hashem. <laughs> רק תפתח את העיניים ותראה כמה טוב השם כמה טוב השם כמה טוב השם כמה טוב השם
assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Thurman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. It is Adar, and Adar, you're supposed to be happy. The song is called Happy Klezmer. The group is called Klezmer Tunes. Song up. We got time for one more. The uh, the uh, artist is Yankee Hill. The song is called Chaim Yisrael. Israel lives. Shabbat Shalom. 
there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813, that's 800-603-1813, or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to The Jewish Hour. This week's portion is a portion of Key Seesaw. And as the aftermath of the Golden Calf, Moses did a lot of uh, uh, what would be damage control. And it didn't look good. There was even a point where God said, you know, I'm going to just forget it. I had enough of these people. I'm going to wipe out all the Jewish people, and I'm going to start over. And the people will say in their prayers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Moses. And Moses said, you do that, you can you can take me off the cover. Now, don't call it the five books of Moses. I'm not interested. And God said, okay, 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 so simmer down. Which, um, as a result, in last week's portion, in Kitzavah, 
Most God really said, you open up your mouth to me. He said, take my, my name out. So in the last week's portion, the name Moshe doesn't appear. But that's a whole other story. We'll talk about it maybe next year. Maybe we talked about it a couple of years ago. One of the things that Moshe did, he pulled the ace out of his sleeve. What was that? It's known as the 13 Principles of Mercy, which we say quite extensively on the day of Yom Kippur, which is, by the way, Yom Kippur is Yom Kippur because that's the day that Moses came down the mountain with the second tablets, having basically said, we've corrected the mistake of the golden calf when the first tablets were broken. Now we have the second tablets and God wants to have a relationship with us. That's why Yom Kippur is Yom Kippur. And it's this elicitation of the 13 attributes of mercy. What's the deal with the 13 attributes of mercy? What is it? Technically speaking, since it is that when a person does a commandment, when they do a mitzvah, the word mitzvah means connection. When a person does a mitzvah, they're connecting themselves to Hashem. When a person does a transgression, they're disconnecting themselves from Hashem. Hashem is our life force. So it make, would make sense that as soon as somebody did something wrong, they should just die. And there's all kinds of books that talk about why it is that as soon as somebody does something wrong, they don't just die. Why is it ultimately is because of divine mercy. Now, with everything else, there's levels. The ultimate level of divine mercy are the 13 attributes of faith. They revert back to the essential levels of godliness. Not God who wants us to do the commandments, but the God who is above even wanting commandments. That when, we, when Moses elicited the, thir- the, the name of God, the appeal to God, he wasn't trying to, to, to debate and say, no, 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 they didn't do anything wrong. No, that wasn't what Moses did. It was, <laughs> Moses went and he smashed this calf and smashed it into a little tiny powder and people died. And it was, yes, it was a big mess. So he wasn't going to deny that. What he did was he appealed to a higher revelation of Hashem, one in which the connection is never broken. That's what the 13 principles are. That's why it is when somebody does something wrong, they don't die just right away. Because God says, well, you know, they can always do tshuva. Tshuva means to return, to reconnect. And if a person will reconnect, even for something like the golden calf, which is the antithesis of the giving Torah, God says, I'm ready. So what are we waiting for? We're going to take, speaking of waiting for, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We've got the story coming up. Don't go away.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to The Jewish Hour. Would you like to get in touch with me? People do it all week long. I get fan mail all week long. Thank God. Uh, go to RabbiFinman.com. And there you'll be able to get in touch with me. Right on the homepage, I have a contact us link. It's like the best. You don't have to go looking down the bottom of the page or click on the about us play page or find the something. It's right there. Simple. That's what I'm here for. Make life easy for everybody. You also have archived editions of the radio show. The last bunch of shows have been, in my opinion, really pretty good. And so if you missed them, give a listen. And uh, if you didn't miss them, then let me know what you thought about them. Always like, I appreciate the feedback, positive, negative. Anyway, especially like if you have anything that I just did that you didn't like, then I can change it. But if I get only positive feedback, I'm assuming I'm doing everything correct. You'll also find other ways in which we present Judaism to you in hopefully entertaining and educational way. And there's also the the uh, donations page, which I'm not going to talk about because February is paid, but March is coming up, and you can take a look there because that's what I made the deal, that if a month is paid up, I'm not going to make an appeal. I'm going to tell a longer story, which is what I'm going to do right now. The year is 1960. 1960, Jews really started to dis- really decided that they wanted to get into Ivy League schools. Um, it's about that time that the SATs came about. I think the SATs were starting in the mid-50s because they saw that all these Jews are getting in, so they tried to make all these tests. And then this guy came, named Kaplan, a Jew, came up and f- figured out how to do a preparatory course for, getting, for, for studying for the SATs, and then Jews were able to get really good grades on the SATs. So, but in Ivy League schools, it was becoming popular even for graduates of Hebrew day schools and yeshivas to go. So you had a religious underbody of, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but there was an undercurrent of religious Jews in the schools. And the schools, and at that time, uh, Ivy League was uh, segregated, male and female. You had the Ivy League schools, and you have what we refer to as the Seven Sisters. I can't name the Seven Sisters. I don't know if I can name the Seven Ivy League schools, but... The Seven Sisters were schools like Barnyard and Vassar and Smythe, and I'm not sure what the other four are. If anybody wants to send me those, uh, RabbiFinman.com, that would be fine. And why they were sisters to whom, that would be great. Like, what's the sister school to Brown and what's the sister school to Penn? I guess Penn would be Bryn Mawr. I'm not sure. Anyway, the uh, so there was different groups that were set up. And in Barnard, it was called um, Ari, and in Columbia, it was it was called, uh, I think I remember these things, at Harvard, it was called Terriag. Cornell 
had something called the Young Israel House. They actually had a kosher kitchen where evidently a lot of people went up to Ithaca, and the Young Israel House is still there. It's a very amazing thing. I went to visit Cornell for a sukkah and was very impressed with by the only Young Israel House in the entire country. They decided that they wanted to have a bl- umbrella organization to get all these Jewish organizations coordinated. And this movement was led by a woman by the name of Rivka Teitz. She was Pinchas Teitz's daughter, Olova Shalom Pinchas Teitz's daughter. And she married a person by the name of Blau, so now she's referred to as Rivka Blau, Dr. Rivka Blau. And she was one of the, the formulators of it with a, with a couple other people. And um, they called it the Yavna Society. And why do they call it the Yavna Society? Because when her father, Reb Meisher Pinchas Teitz, was in uh, in Latvia, so he went off to Yeshiva and he came back and he saw that a lot of his friends that he was in school with had become communists. And so he started this organization where they would learn, people would learn, young people could learn about Judaism and have fun and do stuff together, a social, social educational organization. So she decided she's going to call it the Yavna organization. Fine, good. The organization received tremendous support from rabbis around the country, specifically like J.B. Soloveitchik from YU and Moshe Pinchasite from Elizabeth and the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So it happened that the Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, sent Moshe Feller, who is now currently the head shliach, the head rabbi, head Lubavitcher rabbi in, head rabbi in Minnesota, and uh, to be a liaison and to work with the students at Columbia and Barnard. And at one point he said the Rebbe would like an audience with two members of the society. And so this Rivka Tite Blau was one of the two people, as was, I don't remember the name of the other person, but he was the president of the Columbia branch. And they went and together the Rebbe welcomed them in. And they they sat down and the Rebbe, there was a whole thing about what language to speak. They finally decided they're going to talk in English. And uh, the Rebbe asked them very poignant questions about how the organization started and what's the purpose of the organization, what happens if there's a problem with the organization. And they explained in great detail. And this went on for like a half an hour. And then finally, the Rebbe said, maybe you have some questions. And Rivka said, no, I don't have any questions. I'm fine. The person with whom she was with said, I have a question, Rebbe. It says... I've been in Crown Heights for a couple of Shabbos, and people tell me that when they have a problem medically, they come to you, and you know what the doctor doesn't know. Or they have a legal problem, they you know what the, the lawyer doesn't know. How is it that you as a rabbi could know more than a lawyer, more than a doctor? And this Rifko Tights Blau was uh, like melting into the chair, like, what kind of question? What are you asking? Hello? The Rebbe smiled and said... When you're building a house, you have an architect, and the architect draws up a blueprint, and the blueprint is given to the contractor, and the contractor understands that he has to go hire an electrician, a carpenter, a plumber, a glazer, all these different people, the roofers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Does that mean the contractor can do those jobs better than all those people? Not necessarily. The contractor knows how to read the blueprint and knows if the job is being doing, doing right and what needs to be done. 
So it says he quoted the Zohar and said that the Zohar says that the Torah is the blueprint of creation. God is the architect. And he said, you have people like myself who know how to read the Torah. And if you know how to read and study the Torah properly, the entire creation is in it. And you can act like a contractor and you could see that this is what a lawyer should do and this is what a doctor should do. Okay. So the, the guy was very, very happy about this answer. And he says, I have one more question. It says, people attribute a lot of miracles to you. What do you say about that? So this, again, Rivka Blau was like, are you kidding me? What did stop? The Rebbe smiled. And he said, I don't know specifically what stories you refer to because people don't tell me about those miracles. Now, there are great rabbis, and he listed a whole bunch of great rabbis who are not Hasidic leaders, about whom miracles were performed. And those miracles are written down in books. Those stories you can believe. The stories about me... You don't necessarily have to believe them. That's the story. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.